Ephesians chapter number two. Um, a lot of times in our Bibles, we miss we miss the little things. Uh, and those little things we're going to speak about this afternoon to you are prepositions. And prepositions concerning our salvation and our Christian living. So let's see if we can get some help from the Lord in Ephesians. We are Ephesians chapter number two. You know the verse. For by grace are you saved through faith. Uh, you see that little word by for by grace. That's our first preposition. Salvation is always, has always been, is right now, and will always be by God's grace. That's it. That's it in a nutshell. That's the gospel that we preach. So every religion, every system of theology, every philosophy of man, all of it goes by the wayside because it's not by grace, it's by something else, typically a work. Salvation, it's by grace. Don't forget, by grace. There's no respect at all for human worthiness. Now that's a humbling thing. If we, if we all take the mirror and point it to ourselves, we have no worth. And man so wants to show himself off that it just lost it, it just bothers them that it's by grace. It's so simple, yet it's such a big pill to swallow. No respect at all for humanity. Have you ever heard people say, well, you know, all this is going on. I just lost respect for humanity. Man, I lost it a long time ago. <laughs> we never had respect. We don't have worth. If we did, some of us would have some more merit before God than others. But when it comes to God, we're all on the same playing field. We're all unworthy and we need to be saved by grace. Amen. We just need to abandon every and any thought of any of us making any claim to God about our personal merit. The ribbons that you win and the medals that you win and the certificates that you earn and the trophies that you have on your shelf it may impress man, family, friends, the community, but not God. It's by grace. The other thing we see in Ephesians 2, for by grace are you saved. Here's the next uh, preposition. Through. It's through faith. That faith is in connection with believing and faith is not a mental assent to a doctrinal creed. Well, I read your doctrinal statement and I mentally can assent to that and understand what's written. The devils believe and tremble. There's some mental assent. They know who God is. Their belief isn't based on a trusting belief and a, and a belief that is uh, a repenting belief. It's just a, an assent mentally. And we don't want to have that. Uh, we need to come to God 
We are saved through faith. We need to come empty, empty handed. Go to Hebrew, uh, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And we all know the chapter. It's by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, all through it. It's the faith chapter. It's all by faith. We see the full confidence, the full trusting, no matter who, who you are. You can be a drunk and by faith. You can be a harlot and by faith. You can be fill in the blank if you come to God with a trusting faith in him. He'll save you by his grace. Faith is how our hearts are purified, Acts chapter 15. Faith is how we pray, James chapter number 5, as Christians. We exercise full confidence with a trusting belief in God, and it's all faith. Our life is lived through faith. It's a cheerful attitude that God knows what's best. It's through faith. We're praying those that have physical ailments. And it's not that our faith wavers if God doesn't heal someone's eye or heal someone's hip or no, we have a cheerful attitude that whatever the whatever the end result of that situation is going to be, it's going to be best for us. It might be hard for us to swallow, it might be difficult for us to deal with if the answer is no. But we live our life through faith and we pray through faith. And our faith isn't based on us getting the answer we want to our prayers. Because that would be what? Lord, let my will be done, not thy will be done. I don't think anybody here is praying, Lord, please send some persecution my way this week. I don't think any of us are praying for that, right? But I'll tell you, when it, when it comes, because we live a life of faith, we trust God to see us through, work us through, help us through, send Christians to pray us through, and that's the Christian life. It's how we walk by faith, not by sight. It's how we live. The just shall live by faith. It's how we stand. For by faith ye stand. It's the Christian stance. I stand before you. You stand before me. We stand before a lost and dying world through faith, preaching the gospel of grace. Amen. We're saved by grace, through faith. Let's go back to Ephesians 6, uh, Ephesians, but the sixth chapter. Something else that we do by faith. Look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17. Yeah, 17. And take the helmet of salvation... 
and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. It's how we, faith is how we conquer. It's our shield against the fiery darts of the wicked. Verse 16, above all, taking the shield of what? Faith. That's what it says, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And may I remind you, the day you got saved, you basically turned into a dartboard. I mean, Satan leaves you alone. He'll leave lost people alone. He's got them right where he wants them. The minute you get saved and the minute you trust God, there's going to be some darts coming your way. You ever see one of them lions or tigers get hit with one of those poison darts out in the jungles of Africa and they drop them? You better have a shield of faith because Satan wants to drop you. He wants you out of the fight. He doesn't want you to be more than a conqueror. He doesn't want you to think that you have victory in Jesus. He wants to put you out of the fight. So we need to stand with that with that shield of faith. That's our victory. Faith is our triumph. It's how we overcome the world. Even our faith, 1 John 5 talks about. 1 Thessalonians 1 says, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love. It's what goes into our work. We have faith in God's word. We have faith in God's uh, will. We have faith in God's work that we are all a part of. Faith, faith, faith. It never sits well with me when I see these, you know, all these politicians put it on. We're going to have, uh, uh, what, what is it called? A faith day or a faith? It's just a hodgepodge of beliefs. All they're trying to do is muster up enough votes from so-called conservatives that lean how they lean on social issues. Brothers and sisters in Christ, there's absolutely nothing to do with our souls or the way we should live as Christians. Understand that's a kingdom thing. That's a world power thing. They need more, vo they need more votes to gain more power. And they'll do what they can to solicit the faith community. I'm part of the body of Christ, okay? <laughs> I want what's best for the body of Christ. And I, I'm part of an organism, and show, so are you. It's, it's a church, and Christ is the head of that church. And he saved us by grace, and now we can serve him through faith. And everything in our life is so much better than it used to be or what others are having to offer us. It's how we work, and it's how we labor. Be careful you don't get too far off working for things that just distract you from the work of God that he has for you. Go to Matthew chapter 1, if you would. The preposition by, we looked at the preposition through, by grace through faith. We'll look, look at the preposition from Matthew chapter number 1. Uh, this is such a key verse. 
in the entire chapter, I would say. Matthew 1, 21. And she shall bring forth a son, that's Mary, and shall call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. We are saved by grace. We are saved through faith. And we are also saved from sin. That's the reason for Christ's first coming, to save from sin. It's not to save people in their sins, although we are dead in our sins. If he just saved us in our sins, none of us would be really happy going to heaven. We wouldn't be able to sin there. He saved us from that. <laughs> you picking up what God's putting down? That's what you were in. You're now out of that. You've been taken from that. He saves from sin. Do you know every belief system has Jesus? It's not the Jesus of Matthew 1.21 who saves from sin. It's the coffee shop Jesus. It's the hippie Jesus. It's the do whatever you want Jesus. Do you know all those are ways of just blaspheming the name of our Lord? They're not using his name as a cuss word. They're worse off. They're using his name associated with irreverence. And they're putting him in a category that he doesn't belong. It's irreverent. It's blasphemous. What people have done to the name of our Lord by grace, through faith, and from sin who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. That's what Titus tells us. From iniquity. Matthew 1 tells us from sin. He saves us by his spirit, by his grace, by his power, by his atonement. He's not only a willing savior, He's a suitable Savior, an all-sufficient Savior to save you and I from sin. How do I know that? Because I can't and you can't stop doing the stuff that you're doing without Christ. AA isn't the solution. They got more addiction re recovery programs that the government offers than you can count. You might get some temporary help, but a week later, a month later, a year later, you're back on the drugs, you're back on the alcohol, you're back at the pornography, you're back at the, the saloon. You just, Jesus can save us from iniquity, from sin. He takes us out of that. He's got the power to do it. He does. Not some deliverance preacher who's going to work you up and slay you in the spirit and, and try to... No, all that's junk. Right. And it's fast growing in America. The power of the gospel can deliver you and I.
from sin. I can't. No preacher can. No missionary can. No Christian can. Well, come to our deliverance service. How about no? How about I give you the gospel and let the power of God deliver you? Let me get you barking like a dog and rolling around the floor like a cat and, you know, singing like a hyena. And then all of a sudden you'd say you're delivered. People are so easily deceived. It's a show. It's a performance. It's excitement. It's, it's emotional. Oh, I haven't, I haven't felt emotions like this in a while. Well, no kidding. The guy just made everybody go bonkers. There's a part of that where you just lose control of yourself. That's not of God. That's of a man who's trying to get you away from God. You got a willing Savior, a living Savior, a present Savior. And if he's not your personal Savior, why not make him that today? But he saves from, from sin. Let's go to the book of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John chapter 1. Great verse of scripture. I love this verse. Use it a lot on the street or public ministry. Bible says, but as many as received him. That's many sandwiched between as and as. Received him, but as many as. To me, it doesn't get any clearer that the gospel's for everybody. Yeah. Right? Amen. It doesn't mean that everybody's going to get saved. It's as many as. To me, that just refutes this idea that God somehow elected some before the foundation of the world. And others, they don't really have a chance. To me, that just doesn't. John 1.12, to me, it just simply refutes it. It's as many as received him to them, gave he power to become the sons of God. There it is. We are saved to something. Sonship. Even to them that believe on his name which are born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. God saves by his grace. Man is able to put his faith and trust in Christ. That does not take any sovereignty away from God. You only come to that conclusion if you read Calvin's Institutes and listen to Reformed theologians give you their system of how they interpret the Bible. But you won't get that from a simple read of the Bible. It doesn't take away from God's sovereignty. When God said in his word, he set up man with the ability to make a choice. He is, un he is unable to save himself. That's why it has to be by God's grace. But through faith, I can put my trust in him. He will save me from my sin and I will be saved to sonship. And it's all a matter of, I put my foot on the brake, I trust that the car is going to stop, but I can't stop the car. The brake does. And when I put my faith and trust in Christ, if God wanted to, 
He could have opened up the hatch to hell and I could have dropped in there. But he didn't. He saved by his grace. It's not my work. It's not my decision that somehow merits me some worth because I made a decision and now, well, you're trusting in your decision. I'm not trusting in my decision. I'm trusting in God to save me. If I trust Christ, which I have, if you trust Christ, which I trust you have, now what happens? If God somehow just changes his character and changes his mind, which he won't, he changes not. But the split second you get saved and somehow God changes his mind, say, you know what? I'm not really into grace today. <laughs> he can drop you where he wants to drop you, but he's chosen not to do that. But as many as received him to them gave he power to become the sons of God. You can trust that you will be saved to sonship. You can trust that. The same way I'm not just trusting my decision, I'm not trusting my prayer. You know, these people will just repeat this prayer, I'm just trusting my prayer to save me. No, I'm trusting God to save me and I'm communicating with God. I'm calling out to God. I'm crying out to God. God save me. Okay, it's to sonship. It's to sonship. We can be called the sons of God because we're adopted by him. 1 John 3 says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Praise the Lord. That's a beautiful passage of Scripture. And so we're like him, we resemble him, we have his spirit, and we're in union with Christ. Now that's a redemptive relationship that we can rejoice in. We've got a new birth. We have a new spirit. Praise the Lord. Lastly, I'd like to look at, go to 1 Corinthians 15. We'll look at this as the last passage. First Corinthians chapter 15. Save by grace, save through faith, save from sin, save to sonship. The last one I like to look at, we are saved for his service. First Corinthians 15. Therefore, my beloved brethren, that be believers. Well, let's back up to verse 57. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Are you on the winning side this afternoon? That's the victory in Jesus. So therefore, you're on the winning side. Your victory has been wrought. So therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast. Not headstrong in what we want steadfast in what he wants for us. Be steadfast. You can't be shaken. You can't be agitated by the cares of this life. 
Have you seen these YouTube videos, these nuts that they go to zoos and they're going to just poke the lion? Or you see, um, I saw one a couple of months ago. There was this guy that got into the lion's cage. He was, there was some mental things going there that weren't, everything wasn't triggering right. Well, the guy's like agitating the lion. And you can see this lion getting agitated. And the lion, the lion makes a roar and goes after him while his paws hit the guy. Now at this point, you have the, um, what comes into the video is some of the zoo workers coming in to try to move that lion back away and get that man out of there. Now, how would you like to have been working on that day? Yeah, fellas, by the way, we got a guy in the cage. We need to get him out. So, uh, well, you're on the clock. Let's go. <laughs> Woo. I guess they're obviously they're experienced, but still. That's a scary job. Do you know what your adversary is like? A roaring lion. And the tables are a bit turned. He's going to keep poking and agitating you. And he's going to try to do that through the cares of this life. He's going to try to get you off track through irritation. And we can't let that happen. Be steadfast. You ever try to sit down in a chair? Maybe you're over someone's house or you're at a restaurant or you're at a new place and everyone's gathering around. You go to sit down, but... You just feel it's not right. Like you feel you're going to go over. You just, you just, it don't feel good. We got to be careful of our life as Christians. We can be steadfast. Christ is our rock. We can be steadfast in him. The Christian life isn't sitting in a chair that's unstable. Does that make sense? It's completely Steadfast, unmovable. See these statues, you know, they're unshaken by the storms of, uh, of what comes down in life. It just hits and hits and hits and that statue just stays there. It's unmovable. I'm saying that to say this, don't let anything shake your faith because the storm is going to come. You got to be like that statue standing there, unmovable. Now that'd be kind of weird. I remember when we uh, my wife and I went to uh, Hawaii years back, and um, they had the, the, I guess you can see them in any big city, but they have these street performers, and it was, I guess it was the first time I really saw this uh, in a real way. Somebody's just standing, they got the, 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 the silver suit on, and you think it's a statue. But it's a guy, you know, and he's just standing in this pose and they typically have like a little cardboard box or a crate there and people throw money in it. And so I literally was standing there. I had no idea that it really was a man. And so that's the whole idea of it, you know. Oh, that's really a guy. And all he's doing, he's there unmovable. And you see people try to make a move. You know, little kids, you know, waving their hand, doing all this kind of stuff. And the parents say, no, no, don't get too close. And the draw of that is 
oh, it's some guy in a big silver suit and he's not moving like he's standing in this weird pose. Now, your walk as a Christian isn't to stand and not move. You're going to have to move around. So what does it mean to not be movable? You can't move from your faith in God. You've got to be steadfast. Don't let anybody move you away from that. Always abounding. Your service for Him is not trying to find an excuse not to. It's, it's about trying to find an excuse to serve. It's not about trying to find out how can I not serve. It's about trying to figure out how can I serve. Our salvation and our Christian living is now about, our Christian living is about we are saved for service. For service. It's for the Lord. Your work is of the Lord. Your labor is in the Lord. So why would you be influenced or excited about anything else? That should be the most exciting thing. Saved by grace. You save through faith. You're saved from sin. You're saved to sonship. And you're saved for his service. Mm-hmm.